podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Every life lived is an untold story waiting to be written. What I have discovered is that the mind does not know. It only collects information. It can help me drive a car and remember how to turn on the coffee pot. It can help me spell and write stories that have meaning to me. It remembers sometimes where I put my keys and how to get to the store. But when it comes to decision-making, it is truly inept, a light switch on a fake wall, disconnected from its power source. My mind has got me into more predicaments, more trouble that I care to remember, that I am inclined not to forget. Rise, Candace Camrati. In this episode, Candace Camrati talks about the mind, spirituality, and everything in between. Candace George Conradi is a published author, founder of Writer's Inner Circle. She established a live mic forum for writers. Candace was first published in 2006 and has since written and published her books independently. For the past six years, she worked privately with writers, many whom completed their manuscripts and successfully published them. A practitioner of human design, she has received formal training and it is certified as a Living Your Design Guide. To read Kenda's full biography, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Here is the interview with Candace Conradi. In your own words, who is Candace Conradi? Oh, it's so fun. I hadn't, I've never thought about that. I had a minister, a, a mentor of mine years ago tell me I had lived six lifetimes and I was only 40 at the time. Um, you know, I, I'm a passionate person. I'm um, prone to work hard at what I do. I do believe in, um, I do believe in myself now. 
which it's taken me a long time to get there, 60 years. I trust that part of myself. I'm a mom and a, and a grandmother and a wife and a friend um, and a daughter. You know, all the roles that I play, but I think if more than anything, I'm just really comfortable in my own skin, finally. Mm, that sounds great to me. Um, you mentioned believing in yourself. What is to believe in oneself? Well, I found that the only way to do that is you accept the shadows as well as the positive things. I, we're a whole person and we all have we all have parts of us that aren't necessarily things we're proud of, you know. And um, but they can serve us, you know. The shadow serves us; it keeps us safe. Sometimes it warns us; it it alerts us to uh, a situation that might not be good. It also allows us to have compassion for others because we all have shadows. And the one thing I found that keeps people from being comfortable in their own skin is really accepting their flaws. We all need to be have this Facebook persona that life is perfect and that's just not it's it's complex and it's messy and it and it is beautiful but it's also challenging and hard right i have been reflecting a lot more lately it's funny that you're talking about this today about the integration of quotes and quotes bad and good the, the parts of us um that's good and bad I, th I really think that um, without what we call bad, we cannot be good, or we would never know what good is. Yeah. Yeah, you need the contrast for sure. You know, I, I, it's silly to think that, that um, anything is all one thing. You know, I... When I've talked to groups, I've always said, you know, a coin cannot be cut into one side. There's always two sides, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. And so we, we are that coin, we're that gem. And it is, it's a precious thing to be able to embrace that. What do you call it? Wisdom, uh, acceptance, uh, being spiritual? Well, I, I think we're spiritual, whether we think we are or not. But um, I, it's really, a, it's an awareness game to me. It's awareness and acceptance. You know, when you become aware of it, you either run away from it or you run toward it. Right. And, and it's a much better idea to run toward it because on the other side of it, you get to go through things that, really bring incredible beauty into your life then. Do you ever use the word God? I do not. I try not to. And, I, and the reason is I just think that there is a huge misconception about what God is. I, you know, I see, I feel the energy of that mystical power in my life every single day. And I refer to it sometimes as God. I think of it as the universe. But I think that 
we get really stuck in our definition of what that is. And so we start defining other people based on that belief system. And it's just a belief system. It's an idea. Mm. It's, It's something that man created to somehow make sense of our world. Right. And so you have this segment over here being one, having one belief and you have, and and it's done nothing but bring war and anguish and death to our planet. It's, it's to me, believing in God, if you're going to believe in God, you, you need to believe in life and God is life. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And everything that's in it, right? Everything. Uh Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. What is the difference between spirituality and religion? Oh, that's a hot topic. <laughs> to me, it's a mental game, Valeria. And, and it's what it's that piece that I wrote for your blog about the mind. Yeah. Um, religion is a man-made institution that either controls, informs, or connects. And spirituality is when you can be sitting in the middle of a very difficult situation and connect with that divinity and that divinity moves you through it. Or when you're standing in the grocery store, you can have a moment of prayer in your heart for somebody that pops into your mind. That's spirituality. Spirituality to me is our personal connection to the unseen and the unseen is not describable it cannot be contained in words or you can talk about experiences you've had i've had a lot of mystical experiences just dozens of them and it's but when i walk in a church and someone tells me how i'm supposed to think or feel or move through my life it doesn't work for me i can't do it right you mentioned uh belief systems and Everything pretty much is a belief. Is it possible to navigate the world without beliefs? Well, that's a good question. Um, I actually think we'd navigate a lot better if we gave up a lot of our beliefs. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of it, right? But maybe not all of them. (laughs) But to be able to respond in the moment or to be able to respond to life where you meet it or where it meets you, as opposed to having an opinion about something and stepping in. I don't know if you've ever been in the room with someone who was, say, angry. Yes. Because they were angry because they had a belief that something should be a certain way. Mm, yes. That anger meets you. It, it runs over you. It, it steals your breath sometimes. Right. And so I honestly think that you know, I believe in, in a greater good, and it certainly supported me and helped me manage the really hard things in my life, for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I feel really blessed to have such a strong spiritual um, sense of things for me. But I also recognize that that a lot of my beliefs really got in the way of my happiness, and got in the way of of me being the kind of um, person I, I would like to be, you know? Right. Um, when you talk about um, spirituality or 
being spiritual or being in connection with the divine that that we cannot um, really put into words. Spirituality is very much connected with virtues, powerful ones, the practice of, of gratitude, acceptance of oneself and others in life the way it is. Um, forgiveness, uh, patience, lots of that, uh, tolerance. Um, so I think it's in a way, Candice, I think it's very much um, some aspects of spirituality can be practiced, can be explained, can, it's possible to define. I've, I feel this, this is, I get a lot of pictures in my mind when I'm, before, when I'm listening and the picture that I got is that each of us are a lamp. And in, and we have our own particular wattage. <laughs> we have some people are night lights. Some people are floodlights. And it's only when you are plugged in to that connection, that personal connection to the divine that you can shine. And if you're not plugged into that, and, and sometimes tolerance is great until someone is abusing a child. Right. You know, the, the virtues were meant to bring societies into a, a peaceful way of life. You know, if right. you're not that far from being barbarians, if, if we've even left it, right? So, so the virtues work until they don't. Mm, now, okay. and we we pressure ourselves to hold a certain virtue, and it hurts us. It hurts society. I mean, I, I, and not to be political, but I would say it's happening in our world right now. I don't want to go there, but but you know, yeah. the we need to call out intolerance. You know. And, and we have to, that's, and that's where I think everything has its good and bad piece to it. Like we do, it's, it's the shadow, it's the shadow side we don't want to look at. So we idealize virtue in a way that turns us into martyrs and we stay in places we shouldn't or support people we shouldn't because we think it's the right thing to do. It's, it's. And, and if we just took a little bit of time and spent some time with ourselves, there would be a clarity that would, the clarity that has come to me over the last six years has been, a, it's just been a miraculous event in my life. And um, it's changed everything for me. Yes, I agree. Virtues will work like sense of morality. Obviously, we need that in societies in our... We need to have a sense of what's right and what's wrong at this level, right? Even if we if we are aware of different uh, spiritual, different levels of existence. Um, what I try to do, one, I think most people, they are not able to go from one place, like the place of fear and hate, to love or to that level that you, 
you speak of, of this, you know, deep understanding of what life is about, what I am about, who I am. This is really something that I don't think humanity is ready at this point. So I think this is a thought. What I try to do with in my personal life, starting with my own family, is just like I practice virtue, virtues around them all the time. And But one of the reasons I recognize that if my virtues are becoming the rulers of my life, and now I'm just following rules that I have created for myself, my mind, is that when I become fearless, there's no fear there when I have to walk away without any fear. This fearless state, I, I call it like being free to love. Now you, you're in alignment with yourself, like I love myself as a whatever I represent. And I'm now willing to take my own mind's rules, like you said, virtues as, the, as a guide. So now I'm free to just navigate in the way that the spirit wants to navigate, quotes and quotes, spirits, the spirit. I don't know exactly what that is. What is love to you? It's connection. It's connection. I, um, and we're not always connected to someone. You can respect and honor life. The, the feelings of love that you feel happen when you have a, a real strong connection to someone. And I remember some, I remember years ago when the soulmate movement was afoot, <laughs> everybody should have their soulmate, you know, and I, I remember, it could have been Reverend Stevens who said this, your soulmate is not going to make your life easy. Mm. It's going to call, that person will call you and challenge you to be the best you you can be. Love, love should ask that of us. It, sh- it should demand it of us. You know? And if I, that state of love, there is compassion and acceptance that is really can be really beautiful, but it can also be hard. It can make you mad. It can it make you it can make you resist things that are good for you. I mean, it it calls to the very core of who we are. So I think connection. Hmm. Have you ever thought about fear being the absence of love? No. I think fear is love. If we can't love ourselves enough to hear our fear that warns us when it's not good for us, <laughs> then we are in trouble. Hmm. But I think you're speaking of fears that are connected to danger. Uh, how about self-created or like fears that come from illusion, delusion, from trauma, past traumas? Well, or conditioning, Valeria. You know, fear... Fear, real fear, protects us. Um, not self or incorrect fear separates us. So I can look at, you know, not me because I, I am feel very blessed to feel part of a human family, and it comes in many shades and colors, right? Sizes and beliefs and all this, all the things that we're made up of. But someone can look at someone different than them and become fearful because of a conditioned belief that they've been indoctrinated with. And if they spent any time at all 
with that difference, they would find a part in themselves that they had they didn't know existed. It's just it's really unfortunate that we lock ourselves in so tightly. So yeah, true. yeah. Do you believe or do you think that most of our fears um, are actually conditioned? Absolutely. Our instinctual fear is not. It's part of our body's way of protecting us. Our mental fear is, is, you know, the resistance is fed by the mind. And the mind creates all the problems and then, oh, and then blames it on somebody else. Yes, so true. Right. Can you give me your own definition of what is to become fearless? Oh, I have mental fear all the time, but fearlessness to me, and I don't, I, I don't listen to my mind anymore. I'm really clear about that. But to me, fearlessness is being able to be who I am without apology. And can you give me one example of that? There would have been a time in my life when if someone had asked me about God, I would have concealed how I really feel and gone into a, a very uh, acceptable version of what that might be for others in order not to stand out or feel rejected by anyone. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's a, a question that I was uh, wanted to ask you in the beginning of our conversation. Yeah, I think you speak of a personal healing experience mm -hmm. that you went through. Can you talk to me a bit about that? Yeah, you know, I had, I, I was raised, I was, my family, I was very conditioned um, to be afraid. I raised myself from the time I was eight, pretty much. My father was not around. My mother worked full-time owned a business and I, I did a lot of self-care from the age of eight. And so when I grew up and I became a mother, I had a lot of ideas about how that should look and about how I should be a mother and how I should tell my kids and how I should, you know, and as my children grew, it was easy when they're little, right? But as children grow and become young adults and go into adulthood, there's no place for that You, there's a transition that has to happen between you and your children if you want to stay connected to them. And I was still trying to control everything. And when I realized what I was doing, and it, it was out of love and it was out of ignorance, and I didn't know better. I didn't understand the dynamics. And, and I wrote a book for baseball moms called um, Diamond Moms, A Mother's Guide to Raising a Baseball Player. And this is when our youngest was in college. And so I'd raised four children at this point, and my learning curve had been very slow. It was, wasn't nearly as quick as I wish it had. <laughs> and, uh, when I used to talk to parents about their kids, what I would tell them is, you're not raising a child, you're shaping a person. And so when I when I came to respect my children's individuality and their way of expressing life and their choices and trusting them, um, the fear dropped 
considerably. The, the barometer went down. And I also realized that it wasn't my place at some point to insist on them being a certain way. No, that's okay. How did you come to that understanding, Candice? Well, when I, when I was 60, my son gifted me with um, a reading for a human design reading. And I had been through years of counseling um, Valeria, trying to come to terms with my family of origin. And when I found this, I, I was given permission to let go and be myself. You know, we can't be who we are when we're holding on to other people and trying to make them into our own image. It's not our job. What a powerful lesson for you it was, I'm sure, and what a wonderful message. Well, it's a gift, you know. Yeah, to put out there. Control has a lot to do with fear. Um, pretty much um, most of our behaviors, right, of the way we think, they're conditioned mm-hmm. to and uh, connected deeply to fear, that unnecessary uh, fear, really. Um, and this is what is really it's so tough for most of us to, it's challenging, really, for us to let go of those fears and just uh, distrust. I love that. I love the idea of trusting life more, trusting Wow, just trusting everything and just being... This is interesting that we're going against our own instincts then. Just being... Yeah, just being free. This is another question I have for you. I think this is the time to ask. What is the difference between instinct and intuition? I think they're the same thing, really. I really do. If, if, if If it's a feeling, you know... We, yeah, I, th- I really think it's, it's really body intelligence and it's getting out of the mind. You know, the, our brain hears the message and helps us. It moves our body, right? It, it helps us breathe. It keeps our heart going. It helps, but it's not supposed to be directing our life. <laughs> it's an information center. Yeah. So when you have an instinct, I'll give you a perfect example. I have really strong intuition. I mean, crazy strong intuition. And but I don't always listen to it. And and this is a very simple explanation. But I had turned on the water in my sink, and we have a really deep sink in our kitchen. Yeah. And the doorbell rang, and I started. I walked away from it, and this instinct said, "Turn the water off." Right. Had had a voice, but. It, and I said, yeah, I, I won't be that long. Mm-hmm. And my husband came in the kitchen and he went, oh, God. <laughs> and it was almost, you know, the one was almost. And so it's that little small voice. Yeah, it is, Candace. That's so interesting. That, maybe that's the reason why you don't listen to it, because <laughs> it's too subtle, right? Well, we're not taught to listen to it. We're taught to you know, what is the first thing a parent says to their child when they make a mistake? What were you thinking? Right? We are taught that the mind is everything and it's not. Mm, wow, I love that. Of course. Um, because I think what I'm, I'm really finding fascinating about talking to others. Um, you are one of, of these people that I talk to these days. Um, 
it's just it just confirms a lot of the things that I already knew or know, but I still um, like we talked earlier. It's a challenge, right, to listen to that voice and to really, mm-hmm. I mean, li- really, really listen to it and live like that uh, every single day, every moment, in every situation. Um, th- this might be just a practice for life. Mm-hmm. It also means surrounding your, pe- yourself with with people that are like minded, you know, to because it's really easy to get into, you know, enter a different group or other be in other social settings and get carried away by the by the energy of the crowd, right? True, collective thinking is very powerful. Yeah. So it's 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 important to to if you're really serious about it, to put yourself in an environment where you can practice it with other people that can help you stay aware. And, and that's, that's the work that I'm headed toward is, is uh, helping people live their design and to feel comfortable in their own skin and to be, and to create groups and communities where we can practice together and bring, bring the experience back together so we can look at it and say, wow, that's what happened. Not judge it, not try to figure out how to fix it, but to just learn from it, right? Yes, I like that. At a professional level, I think, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do, it seems to me, with my work. Uh-huh. Um, so you wrote a piece titled Minding the Mind, which was inspired by your granddaughter's words. Can you talk to me about what she wrote, and what kind of wisdom you found in those words. What if, what if it's none of those things? What if it's just a huge gift waiting for you to unwrap when you get there? You know? Yeah, see what your mind does? It starts weighing and measuring everything and telling us and dictating to us how we should feel about something. What if there was no belief? What if you just walked into it thinking there is this massive red wrapped bright ribbon cap waiting? <laughs> the time. <laughs> so true. It's like a like this boss, right? It's like a, this crazy boss. Dictator. <laughs> yeah, it's a dictator. Oh man, so true. Do you meditate? I do. I don't as often as I used to. Um, I find I do walking more movement, walking meditations than I do sitting meditations. I definitely do it as I'm falling asleep at night, for sure. It's a wonderful way. I find it to be a a great way of um, understanding the mind. That's how I I observe the, the demands of the mind. Like, this is a question I asked some Buddhist monks that I interviewed. Like, what are thoughts? If we are not thoughts, what are they? Are we being thought? <laughs> um, do you have any answer for that? We're not thought. We're, we're, we're two things. We're the spirit that we were before we had a body and the one that will continue after the body's gone, and we're the body. So we are a combination of those things. And I, I believe I have come to trust. It's not a belief anymore because I don't, it's interesting. I've had a shift in that, but I've come to trust that my spirit is observing 
my life. And that whatever I discover along the way, I will take back to the greater good, the evolutionary process of life itself. And, and yeah. I, so I, I don't trust thought. I trust my creativity. I trust my, my design, my personal, how I function in the world. And um, thought is a process that happens. It's intelligence. It gives me the ability to have a conversation with you that I love. Mm-hmm. You know, dive deep into things that are complex. Same here. I, but I don't think we're thought. I think it's a process that we have. It's part of our biological function. And I'm just wondering, and like you, you talk about spirit and a lot of people, they call it the soul or the higher self, the true self. Whatever the spirit is, it's using thoughts to connect, to drive the body to do uh, the work, let's say, that it's supposed to be doing here. So in a way, we are not thoughts, but thoughts are being used by the spirit. Well, I would propose to you that our spirit does not drive the body, that the body functions fine by itself. Right. And that the thought comes in thinking that the spirit is going to control things and it doesn't. And that when we surrender to the intelligence, to the really the divine intelligence of our miraculous body, Pride gets a lot better. I would love to help you. <laughs> I know I'm trying to. Um, I know I'm, I'm thinking here, but uh, I'm trying to get beyond thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, let me see if I can. Are you saying that the body, which is yeah, it's something that okay, the intelligence in the body can it can actually guide us through life we mm, we don't need the thoughts the influence of thoughts but just for the practical obviously practical um activities like um, remembering things doing right wow but that that makes so much sense because the body sometimes i feel i find myself like happy for no reason the body's just like really happy <laughs> and then makes the mind happy and everything happy. And I don't know why exactly. Like not this moment. I know I'm happy because of the conversation probably because having, but I think it's more than that. It's the mm-hmm. connection that I, I'm having with you that's beyond thinking. I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. God. And then something in me gets really excited. And that's so funny. And I feel my stomach mm-hmm. and, and everything. It's just kind of funny. How interesting. Hmm. Yes, it is. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing experience. What is the difference between wisdom and experience? I think wisdom is the residual effect of experience. <laughs> mm. I, I, don't, I don't know that wisdom can, it comes. I mean, I have met people that are old souls that feel like old souls that just have an innate sense of things. But I think for the majority of us, Wisdom is is really a byproduct of experience. And a lot of times we have to go through something to be able to have wisdom. I know for me, I certainly, that is certainly true for me. And, yeah. and it isn't true for everybody. 
Valeria, but I, but I do think it's true for the majority of people. Yeah. You wrote about a, a kind of practice exercise uh, called WAIT, W-A-I-T. Can you please explain what it means? Yes, and I'm working on the next blog for you around that. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Waiting is our only protection in life. And and the more practical example I I offer people when I'm talking about this is we have a traffic light as I leave my my neighborhood and I'm heading out onto a busy street where cars are going anywhere between 45 and 60 miles an hour. And I do not pull into the intersection when the light turns green. I wait and make sure the cars have stopped because I've seen too many cars run that red light. I think that it's a metaphor for uh, the value of waiting in life. Our mind tells us we have to move. We have to fix something. We have to say something. We have to address something. And we jump into things we give our opinion before we ask we're asked we you know we we do a lot of things we take a lot of action we say a lot of things instead of waiting for the right, the correct moment the the moment that makes room for our conversation or makes room for us or makes room for our business or our passion that we're, we are doing in life. I made a lot of stupid mistakes um, trying, to, trying to make myself do businesses that were not, that I didn't wait, you know, I didn't wait to ask people. I, I didn't honor their space. And, and we can only be received by life if life has energy to receive us, and that means each person also, right? So by waiting, we protect ourselves from from dead ends and from being hurt. And it it's the pause before we take the action that counts more than anything in the world. Do you want to go through each letter? As you have written, wait, ask, instinct, and trust, or this is sort of summarizes everything. We can do that. It's you know, it's it's a it might be a, an easy way. And I forgot that I tell me what that was again because you know, this is embarrassing. I forgot what I wrote. No, I think you covered by saying what you just said. It co- covered everything really. Yeah. Um, wait, ask, ask, use your instinct and trust. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Yeah, and, and, and asking honors everybody. Would you like to hear what I have to say? Would you like to go to the movie? And could you ask me if I want to go to the movie so I can hear my answer, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful, you know, if, if I was going to rewrite the virtues, I'd rewrite them this way. <laughs> Yes, I like this. Yeah, I like it a lot. It makes so much sense to... Um... Would you like to say anything uh, before we move on about the subject of mind in the mind and um, self-awareness, wisdom? I would just encourage everyone to reconsider uh, 
how they see their life and to trust themselves first, their body first, and, and pay attention to what they think about things and how they've been conditioned to think. What is another word for healing? Wholeness. Wholeness, yeah. How do you define success? For me, it's satisfaction. For others, it's being happy doing what they do. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself, others, in life? Oh, my God. That it's okay to be who I am, and it's mm-hmm. okay that they're who they are. Yeah. <laughs> Hard, tough lesson for me. Mm. Wow, for all of us, I would say. Well, for me, it has been too. Uh, what is to be strong? To accept your weaknesses. Mm. <laughs> self-acceptance and um, if you knew you would die soon meaning losing the body would you change anything or what would you do differently today nothing Mm. wow that's wonderful so you're living the life yeah you're supposed to took me 65 years to get here (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Okay, yeah, it took a long time. Now you're there. That's so wonderful. That's so wonderful. Do you believe in life after death? Absolutely. What kind of life? I think that's a mystery, and I love the mystery, but I've I've had a lot of contact with people that have died over the years, and so I know every every part of my being trusts that there's a part of us that never dies. Right. Yeah, I have met other people who have had the experience. Oh, I think it's very personal in a way because I have never, never been in contact with anybody who died. I don't know what that that's like. So what kind of life, from that experience, uh-huh. do you have an idea of what kind of life might be waiting for us after this one? I have no idea. My mother used to tell me it was her next great adventure, and I think it's <laughs> probably true for all of us. <laughs> okay, so I um, guess my next question is, would you be okay with the thought, the idea that there's nothing, that life is what's happening now, in this exact moment, if there's nothing after here? Would you be okay with that knowledge if it was true? Yeah, because there'd be nothing I could do about it. I, I mean... Yeah, but it would be silly to fight against that if that were true, but we don't know. <laughs> right, right. Um, for some reason, I I used to believe in a lot of things, and, and they, it was just beliefs, beliefs, beliefs. And then I came to the point of just, okay, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to believe in anything and just live my life inspired by the thought that there's nothing else, that nothing will happen, nothing's happening. Everything that's happening is happening now, and this is it. So instead of becoming depressed and sad and all that stuff, it's the opposite. I've mm-hmm. become a lot more inspired to be everything I can be in mm-hmm. this moment, and that's it. And do my best with what I have, loving, like you said, which is so beautiful. Not just beautiful in a sense of um, romantic, and I'm not romanticizing. It's truly 
beautiful to just accept life for what is, yourself for who you are in this moment. Everything as it is. Just, well, be happy because that's what happens, I guess. When I, every time I think about it, there's nothing, I become so joyful. Like, wow, I'm free. It's like I'm free. This is it. I have no reason to believe in anything. And that it, mm -hmm. it liberates me. I call it like, it's almost like liberated mm -hmm. joy. That's what I call it. And, and it is. It's just like, wow, yeah, this mm -hmm. is it. But I don't know. I don't know. And I think no one really knows. But I have met people who have said, you know, I have, I talked to my mother yesterday and the mother, and his mother had died like years back. And, and pretty, a lot of accurate information that she had given to him. So, um, but this is something that I was not allowed. I didn't allow myself to believe in in those things. Uh, it's very much individual, I guess. Everybody believes. I think there's a wish. I really see that in, in most of us. We have this strong wish to live, to stay alive, to go on. But the reincarnation idea, life continuation, mind continuation. But I don't know. I think it's just a thing. It's a desire. And if it's not, great. Like your mother said, wow, I'm ready for the next adventure. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen, but where I'm going, but that's going to be fun. <laughs> so I think that, I don't know, it just feels like that's, that's where I'm at at this moment. It might change. Uh, my last question to you. Uh, what are three things about life you know for sure? It's all a thought that accepting others brings you closer and opens up uh, a level of love that is absolutely remarkable and fulfilling and and better than anything that I ever thought it should be um, that right now is what matters because it's all we have and so to show up in your life the best you can and to stop thinking about it <laughs> stop thinking about it right Mm. It has been a spiritual, fun conversation. Meaningful. Yeah. I so enjoyed it. <laughs> so honored you asked me, and this has just been delightful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Uh, it has been felt. Thank you. Yeah. Your presence is a gift. Yes, yeah, <laughs> all yours. <laughs> There's a reason for us to be having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Bye for now, Candice. Thank you again. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Candice, please visit her website, CandiceConradi.com. That is C-A-N-D-A-C-E-C-O-N-R-A-D-I.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>